as uh, we get Faith February started. I just saw John and Pam over there. Good to see you guys. God bless you. That's a pleasant surprise. God bless you. Last month, as you'll recall, uh, I spoke exclusively all month on fasting because we were going into the 21-day fast. And uh, I don't know about you, but it transformed me. Uh, I mean, it it literally uh, spiritually pushed me uh, to the next dimension and to the next level. I trust it did that for you as well. And we started that particular series of messages on Matthew chapter 6. You know, the whole chapter, Jesus says, you know, when you give, don't be like the hypocrites. And he goes through all of that. And uh, he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And he goes through all of that. And then he says, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. And he goes through all of that. And the last little phrase was the one to me that was most interesting because he said that your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And so uh, we wanted to enter into something that God could begin to reward openly. And you notice that Jesus didn't say if you fast or if you pray or if you give. He said when you fast, when you pray and when you give. So it's when, not if. Amen? So it's something he anticipates us doing. And so these next couple of months, I'm going to focus in on those two other elements on being rewarded openly. And so we've called this Faith February uh, because I want to talk about faith and I want to talk about living in faith, giving in faith. And, uh, you know, Jesus had a lot to say in those areas. And so I, I want to touch on that in February. And then in March, I want to talk about prayer. And I'm going to be teaching about prayer and intercession all month long. And so I just believe 2009 is going to be the year that the God who sees in secret will reward openly. And I want that to happen in your life. And I certainly want it to happen in the life of our local church. And I mentioned to you as we were preparing to give that all of the faith promises are now absolved. And at the end of this month, we're going to be making uh, new commitments and promises and seeking the Lord as to what he would have us do when it comes to building the house of the Lord. So we've talked about fasting. We're going to talk about giving and we're going to talk about praying. And I believe that God's going to do some incredible things in the first quarter of this brand new year. Now, I sought the Lord. I want you to know this morning, you know, there are times that, you know, I just feel led and you feel gently led and there are times you really seek the Lord. And I really sought the Lord because I knew kind of where I wanted to go and I wanted to get before him and I wanted to share something with you that number one, had an anointing on it. Number two, it was a word that you could take. And number three, it was practical enough that you could receive it and implement it in your life. And so as I began to seek the Lord, he began to speak to me, and I believe I put it on the screen overhead, that there are three things that I believe we need to get a hold of right now as we begin to move into 2009. The first one is this. We are heading into tough economic times, and people are beginning to be fearful. Now, I'll just quote our brand new president who said, and I have no reason to doubt him, that we may be facing some of the worst economic times that we've ever seen since the Great Depression. I, I don't know. I'm not an economist, so I, I don't know how those things are evaluated. But I can tell you by the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me that this recession is going to take a lot more than what government can do to stimulate the whole thing. And it's going to last a little bit longer than anybody anticipated. Now, that doesn't sound like good news, but if you'll just hang on for just a moment, it's good news for you. So we're heading into tough economic times. People are going to find themselves fearful. 
Number two, Christians cannot be tied into this present economic climate. Or we will crash as surely as Wall Street did. If you decide that you're going to tie yourself into the economic ways and mentalities of this present system, you're going to go on the same roller coaster ride that the world goes on. I don't know about you. I am stepping off the world's ride. I believe when Jesus said that you are in the world, but not of the world, he was not only speaking about your character, which is true, but I believe that we are to access another dimension. And the world we may live in, but I don't have to live according to its capricious, you know, wind-driven ways every which way it goes. And so we got to tie ourselves into kingdom economy. And then finally, number three, we better have our foundations and our understandings in order if we want to see God move in amazing and miraculous ways. And for those of you that were here last Sunday night, you heard me say that this is the hour that God is calling us to pray. He's calling us to fast. He's calling us to give. He is drawing us to our knees because if we do not respond to him by his drawing us to his knees, he will force us to our knees. Now, I guarantee you, there are people right now on Wall Street who hadn't prayed in years, but they're praying. And you know why they're praying, don't you? Because they're losing millions. And so we've got to understand, if you don't want to lose everything, if you don't want to go on the roller coaster ride, come on, get ears to hear right now and, and say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be drawn to my knees because I know you can force me to my knees. I don't want that. So we're going to get our house and we're going to get our affairs in order. And I believe God's going to do some amazing things. And I've entitled the lesson this morning, God, give me speed, speed speaking this morning. In Proverbs chapter 3, I've called it the starting place of faith, what I have learned about how God moves in my life. What I have learned about how God moves in my life. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, listen very, very carefully as I read this to you. It says, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, everyone say, all my ways. Sure. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Can I just say, slip into barns checking account. That's your barn, is it not? For most of you, unless you live out there on Jeremiah Farms, you know, that may not be, but you know. I call it goat central out there on John's Island. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The starting place of faith. Solomon was the proverb writer that wrote these particular words. And Solomon always catches my attention because the Lord really did bless Solomon. He didn't necessarily end his life well, but he started it really well. And uh, he was smart enough to get before the Lord and ask of the Lord the right things 
for wisdom and understanding and discernment in order to bring rulership. And God blessed him and said, because you asked such a thing, I'm going to bless everything you lay your hand to. So Solomon was a very blessed and favored individual. And in the Proverbs, he begins to tell us certain things about how God moves and how God works in people's lives. And so I want to just underscore, I'm not going to go through this and sort of exegete it for you. I think it's fairly simple. But you can see in here that he mentions things like favor. Did you hear those words? Favor. That he would highly esteem you. He would promote you. That he would give you longevity of life. That he would put peace in your life. He would strengthen you. He would give you health. That your barns would be would be filled and that there would be new wine and that's always the imagery of spiritual freshness and refreshment. How many of you know that all of that might be good to have in an economic downturn? I mean, if the world is turning down, it would be a great thing to understand how those few verses might come to pass and work in our life. If everything around us is crumbling, wouldn't it be cool To be a person who could stand there in the midst of the rubble around you and everybody looks at you and says, hey, everyone else in the world is fearful. Everyone else in the world has anxiety. Everyone else in the world doesn't know what to do. But it sure seems like you're doing okay. Now, you may not know how to witness, but I guarantee you that'll get somebody's attention. Well, Solomon mentions some things that are attached to that. He mentions things like, don't forget his laws. He says, don't forget his commandments and his ways. He tells us to trust in the Lord. Don't lean on our own understandings. He says that we're to acknowledge him in all of our ways. He says, don't just lean on your brain. He says later, don't get full of yourself. He says, don't be wise in your eyes. What that means is, is when you think you know everything. Can I just, I'll help you out. Thus saith the Lord, you don't know anything. Really? Really? Don't be wise in your own eyes like you've got it all together and you've you've got all understanding. Don't get full of yourself. And then he says, honor the Lord with your possessions and your first fruits. And so there's conditions upon you being able to live in such a way that despite everything collapsing around you, God is doing this wonderful and great thing in your life. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you really want the Lord? Think about this. And, and, and it's not a trick question, but it's going to lead you to a place. How many of you really want the Lord to do supernatural, miraculous things in your life? You want, God, you want to be able to write the note and hand it to, to Trace and say, read this one. This will blow your mind. Come on, is that you? Raise your hand. Just testify. Testify. Amen. See, if the answer is yes, then you have to get some foundational things settled inside of you. Now... Guys, flash the screen that says connecting the dots in my life. (laughs) All of you already know, pastor's going to connect some dots for us today. All right. I'm very careful, at least I try to be, with what I share with you in regards to maybe some of the things that God has done in our life, maybe things with regards to blessing, uh, maybe giving. I I try to be careful for several reasons. Number one is uh, you never want anything to appear to be self-serving um i told the school of leaders crew when we began the second trimester and we were teaching on authority i told the school of leaders crew when i was teaching on that subject for years i always i always wanted somebody to come into the church 
and begin to teach on authority so I wouldn't have to. Because I didn't want to appear as if it were self-serving or, or, or somehow, uh, you know, it was just creating an atmosphere where it just benefited me. And you know what? I found out later on that ain't nobody coming to help me. And so I just decided that if you think that the things I share somehow are self-serving, then I, I can't, I probably am not going to change that. And I probably won't change your mind this morning. But I know my motives. And I know some of you have walked with me long enough that you, you know my motives. And you're the ones really I, I care about the most. And I'm going to share a couple of things here this morning with regards to my household because I don't know any other way to help you connect some dots in your life than to share with you some things that I have gone through that have, have been used by God to turn some things around and, and again, simply to illustrate to you what God could do if you wanted to walk in all of his ways. I asked the Lord, I've been really praying about this for the last couple months, and I said, Lord, is it okay if I, is it okay if I just share some things? Because the God who sees in secret rewards openly, right? So you don't want to just be shooting your mouth off and saying something out loud and lose your reward. So I'm telling you, I really struggled before the Lord. But I said, Lord, you also know that I've got to shepherd some people and I've got to help them connect some dots. So I'm just telling you, there was this struggle. And I felt like the Lord said, give me glory, give me glory and help the people. And so uh, I'm going to share just a couple of things. Some of you will get what I'm about to share. It's just a simple reminder for you. Others of you, I suspect, might be challenged. But the Lord's calling us all to walk in a blessing. I think we can all say amen. I mean, if you have the choice between blessing and curse, I choose blessing. Amen. If I have a choice between poverty and being enlarged and prospering, I choose prospering. If you're giving me a choice, I know which one I'm choosing. So... Hear me when I tell you, you cannot get to a faith walk until you get some foundational stuff into your system. So let me share a couple of things with you. Seven years ago, when, when Legacy started, I, I'm, I'm just setting some context. When Legacy began, I took, of my own choosing, because it was just what needed to be done, I took a 30% reduction in salary and benefits. I, I chose to do that for various reasons. And for various reasons, because of all the things that we have done through the years as a church, I have elected not to take a raise. So for seven years, seven years ago, being cut back 30%, then in seven years since, not taking a raise. So for the last seven years, I have made exactly the same as I did the first day this local church started. Now, again, I'm not complaining, and you're going to hear why I don't complain. But, but you could make a case, I'm just transfer this to your situation, that if your boss came in and your boss said, I'm cutting you back in your hours, or I'm cutting you back in what I can pay you, or, or I'm laying you off, and if he were to do that, think about the anxiety that that could produce in your system. Think about now how if you were in a position where for seven years or so, you, you, you never received a raise or anything like that. I'm trying to have you jump into a mentality here for just a minute. If your measuring stick is simply what's going on in that, you're, you're going to be on a roller coaster ride. But let me share something with you. In that same seven-year time period, I was able to build a comfortable house. I've been able to send all my children to private school. And how many of you know private school is not exactly cheap? I was able to send my oldest son to Australia for two and a half years, which cost us 30 
$1,000. There's no Hope Scholarship to go to Australia. And there's no debt that was incurred with that. Tracy's car is going to be paid off in just a couple of years. A couple of years, months. Thank you for changing me. In just two months, that's all taken care of. We are on track. We do have one credit card that we have some money on that we have already been able to evaluate and know that by the end of the year, that credit card is going to be paid off to where the only debt I will have is my mortgage on my home. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, We've never been able to do much for retirement. I've never complained about that as well. I've just trusted in the Lord about my retirement. And, and I've had, I can tell you right now, I, I, well, I can't say zero. I've got a little Duke stock and a little Spectrum stock, and I mean little. But the Lord is opening a door for us in order to begin to do some things now in this retirement area. And um, we were able to give to Legacy because this is what blew my mind. I started figuring up what we gave to Legacy and I started figuring out the ministries that we gave outside of Legacy as well. And, and listen, 25% of our household income was given away this year. 25%. A quarter of our income. Now, I, I, well, I've, I've already started, I can't even declare it all on my tax form. That's, that's all, that should be illegal. I can't even declare it all on my tax form. My kids love God and I appreciate that. Tracy and I have been married 27 years. And we're probably living in the best days we've ever had in our relationship. I personally think I get to hang around the best church and the best people in the universe. I mean, I believe that. I I believe that. I get up. I get up all through the week and say, I'm glad where I'm at. I'm glad where we're at. I'm glad for you. We love you. We love this house. We just think it's the best time in our life. Now, why do I tell you all of this? I don't tell you all of this because somehow I want you to come up after service and slap my back and tell me what a great guy I am. I'm not looking for your applause. I don't want anything from you because it wasn't as unto you. I'm not looking for a reward in your direction, but I want you to begin to see in a very average way because I just consider myself an average sort of guy. You know, I'm not a mega church pastor. I don't have my own private jet. I don't have an entourage that comes and follows me around. One guy carries my Bible and another guy carries my briefcase. I don't have that. You all have been to my house. You interact with us on a constant basis. I'm just sort of an average guy. We're an average household. But I want you to know something that I believe God can do some things in your life that will be utterly remarkable if you want to get there. I have heard for years how people say, I want to get to where I can give half my income away. Well, I'm going to get there. And I'm telling you, I don't have to get a raise to get there. Some of you are waiting to win the lottery to do it. You don't have to get this big down payment from your aunt martha to do that there's some things god can begin to do and i want you to surpass me so i'm believing for a day i'm believing and i'm trusting god i told trace i'm believing for a day that god's going to so bless our church that it's going to irritate the community at how he's blessed me and i'm going to be able to pay every dime legacy ever paid me in salary i'm going to pay it back that's what i'm shooting for I'm slowly getting there, but it's only because there's some dots that have been connected and I might not be the smartest knife in the drawer or the sharpest tack in the desk, but I've got more than theory to offer you this morning. I and Tracy and our household have walked some things and we continue to walk some things. 
that can really help you if you'll hear this. This I'm not giving you theory. This isn't just, you know, Pastor Baird, the teacher, telling us the theory of the scriptures. I'm going to tell you some things we have flat walked out. And it will change you if you let the Lord get this in your spirit. I'm going to give you seven things. Really, it's seven words that I have learned about how we have learned how God moves in our life. And if you'll start with these seven things and get these seven things in your system, when you go into the rest of the month of February and I begin to teach faith principles concerning positive confession and calling things that be not as though they were and understanding uh, how faith without works is dead and we begin to share a life of faith, if you'll get these initial concepts under your belt, you're going to be at a place where God can move in exponential ways. So I hope you're going to listen to me now. Seven words I'm going to give to you because these are the seven words you can put on your refrigerator or on your mirror and you can look at them every day. The first word I want to give to you is the word source. Everyone just write it down, source. I must have an unshakable conviction that God is my source. God's my source, not the economy. If you think the economy is your source, get ready, it's drying up. If you think the government's your source, get in line with everyone else who thinks somehow or another they're going to get their mortgage paid and they're going to get gas in their tank and they're going to get fed. We're all lining up to have mama government help us out. The government is not my source. And I'm here to tell you, God can dry up governments too. My job is not my, my source. Let me tell you, I love you folks and I'm well cared for. And you love me and it's the best season in my life. And I I could say a thousand wonderful things to tell you how sweet and wonderful you are. But I'm going to tell you this one thing that's really important. And that is not even you are my source. You are not my source. My family inheritance is not my source. I can't sit around and say, hey, one day when my dad kicks off or Tracy's folks go, hey, we're going to be, we're going to be okay. That's when God will move. Is that not convoluted? Even family is not your source. Your Uncle Bubba's not your source. Your Aunt Bessie's not your source. Your mom's not your source and your dad's not your source. And each other's not our source. God is our source. And the Lord will use many avenues to bless and help you. But you've got to get it in your heart and in your eyes and in your mind that it's not them, it's God who is your source. I'll just tell you this. Through the years, I've seen this more times than I can count. I have seen the people who have it not use it. And I've seen the people you wouldn't think have it be moved of God to be used by God greatly. I've already, I've already figured this out. You cannot judge a book by its cover. You cannot think God will use the big bucks or the mighty rich people. That's not how it usually happens. It usually happens for folks you wouldn't even think had two dimes to rub together. They're the ones that God uses. God is your source. If you do not get this, you'll look to the ways of the world and the things of this world as your source. And I got to ask you right now, how many of you believe right now? And I want this to be a little interactive. How many of you really think you believe right now that God is your source? I mean, you're getting God is my source. Well, that's great. That's great. So if you lose your job, you understand that job wasn't your source. You get that, right? If the economy goes sour, it's not your source. If you lose money in the stock market or your 401k, that wasn't your source anyway. If you lose your salary and go without raises for years, that's not your source. You understand that, right? 
Come on now, God is your source. I'm glad you're saying amen, but I'm telling you, when I get to these next words, you're going to say, oh my. God is your source. Number two, write down the word ownership. Ownership. It's not only recognizing he is our source, but he owns everything you have, including your life. So when it comes to spending, when it comes to taking a job, when it comes to choosing a career, when it comes to getting married, when it comes to making decisions, it's really not totally up to you. Are you hearing me? He owns everything you've got, including you. Everything. And if you really believe that, then you must believe that when the scripture says, and this is what the Lord says, he says, you're to recognize then my ownership. He owns everything. He owns your houses, your cars. He owns your job. He owns your, your accounts. He owns your life. He owns everything. Now, remember, he owns everything you've got. And this is what God says, because I own everything in order that I might know that you're not just saying words that you don't really mean. The Lord says, recognize my ownership. And you recognize his ownership, scripturally, the Bible says, it's the covenant mark with the tithe. In other words, back in the Old Testament days, if you had a a field of sheep, every time the sheep were enlarged, you gave him 10% of the sheep. So if you have have 10 sheep and God owns all 10 sheep, this is what the Lord says. I want you to give me one of those sheep in order that you will demonstrate that I really own everything. I'm only asking, now, he's got 100%, but I said, I'm only asking for a tithe, and that's 10%. Now, hear me now. So in our day, we aren't farmers, unless, again, unless you're out of Jeremiah Farms. But the point being I'm trying to say is is that we aren't agrarian. Most of us are not cattle ranchers or, or animal ranchers. Most of us work jobs. We're given X amount of dollars. And so now, instead of having, let's say, uh, uh, uh Animals, we, we're given a hundred dollars. Well, all one hundred dollars is God's. It's all His. He owns it. But He says, in order to recognize that ownership, you must pull out the ten and say, Lord, this one goes to you. That's ownership. You're with me, right? This is why this is important. The Lord says, as you recognize His ownership, this is the Bible now in Malachi 3, it says that He opens up the heavens windows. It says that if you'll do this, I'll open up the windows of heaven to bless you. He says that I will rebuke the devourer. In other words, he's going to keep the enemy off your life if you'll do this. And because the enemy, a devourer, that means he's trying to steal from you. I've often said this. If you elect not to give God the ten, this is what happens. You end up getting that ten devoured anyway. See, I found this out for years. If I I don't give God what's his, something will come along and get it anyway. And so I might as well just give it up to him. But he, 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 he rebukes the devourer who seeks to steal from you. And it says that he breaks, that this simple act breaks the curse of poverty, of lack in your life. Now that's good news, isn't it? I mean, all of this thing revolves around kingdom economy. But faith principles, listen to me folks, faith principles will not work properly in your life, listen to this, when it's being counteracted by your inability to recognize his ownership. In other words, I've had people for years going, I'm walking by faith, I'm believing God by faith. Man, I've done this by faith. I've done that by faith. 
And then you do a little research and they haven't got ownership down yet. And so here they are walking by faith, wanting God to bless them and help them in their faith walk. But because this ownership issue wasn't settled, the windows of heaven are closed. The devourer is loosed. The curse exists. And they're walking Saying, I'm walking by faith, though. Well, great, but God can't move because there's no window for him to move through. God can't just do what you're wanting him to do because the devourer is chewing it up as it gets released. And because there's a curse that exists, he says, I can't bless because the curse is stealing everything that I would like to do over and above what's already going on in your life. So, so we got to understand, we can't walk counteracting his promises by our reluctance to embrace his ownership. I've had people say to me, Pastor, I, I've sowed this seed. I've done all of these things. And it just doesn't work. I've had people walk away and go, that faith stuff, I know. You all preach that faith stuff. It don't work. Well, I, you know, I don't know whether it will or it won't. But one of the things I can tell you is, is that if you don't got ownership down, ain't none of it going to work. Let me show, show you just a little bit how it worked in our house. In 1989, all of you have heard this story. I was kicked out of my denomination because I got filled with the Spirit and I spoke in tongues. You spoke in tongues, God bless you, you're out. And so we left our denomination. We were in California. We put all our possessions in one rider truck. I had just enough money to get across the United States and I had $300 in my pocket. That's all I had to my name. 300 bucks in my pocket. We had to live with Tracy's folks for the first three or four months. The denomination took all my retirement funds. They seized all my retirement. They would not release it to me. Um, there was no severance. I had $5,000 of debt on a credit card. And that sh that that it might as well have been a half a million dollars at that time. We moved to Spartanburg. We lived with our folks, as I mentioned, for a few months. Then we moved to a little house that had about 800 square feet in it. And uh, there was no air conditioning. It had one little window unit in upstate South Carolina. And so we would turn on the attic fan. The only problem is when you turned on the attic fan, it would suck everything from the porch inside the house. And so every bug and every spider, I got attacked by hornets in my house. And I had to jump in the shower and take a shower with my clothes on. You remember that? Because these hornets were after me in my house. We were in there about two months and we kind of, you know, Tracy loves to decorate. So we we're getting it a little decorated up and starting to make it look a little bit like a home. And the landlord that owned it came and stuck his head in one day and saw how we had just made it look so good. He decided he wanted it back. So he he kicked us out after two months. And so we had to go down the road to another little 800 square foot house. You say, how could you do, how could you live under 800, in 800 square feet? Because that's all you can afford. We had Clayton and, and Tyler, they were just little at the time. Let me tell you something, man. We were eating macaroni and cheese out of the box, you know, every other day. We would somehow or another try to get over to her folks' house in order to get a meal over there. I'm telling you, we couldn't rub two nickels together. And there was 14 months of this. I mean, you talk about the feeling of being poor. I mean, I know that feeling. The first Christmas we were like that. 
we were just praying that the grandparents would come through for the kids because we had so little that we could even do. And, and, and I can remember that there were some neat gifts that came, but it didn't come from mom and dad. It had to come from grandparents. And we, we had to get some really, really cheap things. And, and just so some of you know, every night, I'm telling you every night, is this not true? Right at dinner time, the bill collectors would begin to call. Now, this was back when we didn't have the no call thing. You, if you've never experienced that, you have not had the full experience of being turned over to a bill collector. I mean, it sounds like they're going to come with a trench coat and sunglasses and come break your arm. I mean, it rang every night and they were saying, you, you know, you slouch, you this, you that. I mean, you are, you're a deadbeat and they threaten you and, and, uh, and I had all sorts of folks give me all sorts of input at that time. Uh, uh, people would look at me and they would say, well, you know, it's a season of your life. And so you just need to get your bills paid. And, 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 and God understands. Don't do that other stuff. Don't, don't tithe or don't sow and don't give. God understands. It's a time in your life that you're just going to have to, you're going to have to honor your bill collectors. Well, you know what? This is what we determined to do. We made the choice. That we would rather owe Visa than owe God. Because Visa, you see, is not my source. Are you with me? God is my source. Now, hear me. Visa deserves to be paid. And because of how God moved, in 14 months, God brought us to the place where I could pay Visa off completely. But this is what I had to do. I had to send them. I just, I, I, they called, they yelled, they did all the things. I said, I'll send you five bucks. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deadbeat your bill. I know it shouldn't be like this. I'm sorry for how I got this way. I promise. And I meant it. I mean, before God. And, and I'd send them five dollars. And I'd keep, I'd keep my tithe straight before the Lord. You say, well, why did you do this? It's because Visa can't shut the windows of heaven. Visa can't rebuke the devourer. Visa can't take the curse off my life. I would rather say, Lord, I'm up to date with you. Now, I wish I could tell you in seven days, it all happened. 14 months of incredible, intense struggle. Every time it's looking at what you got to pay and saying, I'm going to give it to you, God. I'm going to keep trusting you. You see, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not under your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. Fourteen months. And I'm here to tell you, in fourteen months, just like that, God moved to the place, listen to this, to the place where all of a sudden our vehicles were paid off. All of a sudden, all of a sudden the visa bills and all the bills that we were were paid off. All of a sudden there was enough money left over that we were able to put a down payment on our first house. And we moved into 1,500 square feet, and you'd have thought we, we had a whole acre of house. Oh, it was remarkable. We just thought, how it was unbelievable. Even in that 1,500 square foot house, we'd lived in such small quarters for so long, we put everything in this, this the corner. Couldn't spread out. And then within two years, we were able to turn that house over and moved into another house that had almost 3,000 square feet. Now listen to me very carefully. God owns everything. He owns my body. He puts air in my lungs. I believe this. He puts strength in my limbs. He causes every beat of my heart to go boom, 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 boom. And he could stop it in a split second. He is the owner. And I respect that ownership even more than I respect anything else on this earth. 
And I know people look at me and they'll say, well, you aren't being responsible. You just aren't being responsible. No, no, you need to understand how I'm thinking. I'm going to pay my bills, but don't cut God out. Cut out some restaurants. Cut out some vacations. Cut out some new clothes. Cut out some cappuccinos. Tracy, bless her heart, she wore the same pair of hosts for 14 months. This is what was amazing. We proved the scripture to be true. You know the one that said that God did not allow their shoes to wear out? He did not allow her hose to wear out. Because I'm here to tell I know how women work. You can't get those things on two, three times and you're going to run that thing, man. Because that those hose, the hose are the most interesting thing in the world to me. I mean, it's almost like you need a stepladder and someone to just say, Jump! I mean, I don't want to get too into that, but I'm here to tell you. And, and, and imagine 14 months. Not a run. That was God. God will work in your hose, ladies. But that's why he says, will a man rob God? So how do we rob you? He says, in the tithe. You're just recognizing my ownership. All right, ownership, I'll let you go. Number three, write down the word movement. Movement. The principles of faith work through movement. Things are not meant to stay still in the economy of God. If you'll think about this, even earthly economies go into recession. Why? They go into recession because people stop moving goods. People stop moving services. People stop moving money. The reason we're in such a tough time is because money is not moving. Banks have quit lending, so money is not moving. Uh, 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 Goods are not transacting because there's no money moving, so we can't purchase goods or purchase services they can't they can't move so everything is slowing down and shutting down and that's called recession in an earthly economy it's because even our earthly economy is designed for things to keep moving and the government whether you agree or disagree and it's not i'm not an economist so i don't even know but they think in their mind if we can just get these gazillions moving If we get gazillions moving, it'll break things loose. The problem is, what's beginning to happen is, is that people are in a fear mentality. And though millions are getting released, they're just going, I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to get mine and hold it. And you see, when movement stops, blessing stops. The worst thing that can happen to you as a believer is to shut down your movement because of fear. See, this is why the church can prosper in this time. It's because if we adopt the ways of the world, what happens is, is that we begin to draw back. And I've already heard this. I've had pastors begin to tell me in churches that are unlike ours, but they're saying we're already seeing giving dropping in our churches. Now, I I tell you what I'm excited about. Last year was our greatest financial year ever at Legacy Cathedral. So we got a little movement happening here, see. But, but I've heard that giving has dropped and all this kind of stuff. And it's because even in Christian circles, what we're doing is we're beginning to fear and we're starting to hoard. And if you do that, you will stop the possibility of blessing flowing your way. 
If you want to get blessing rolling, start giving stuff away. Start something moving in your life. Get something moving in your life. I mean, we do this all the time at our house. I mean, we'll go through the closet and we'll pull off clothes. And we just start giving away clothes. We'll just start giving away old items. I mean, let me just share with you. I mean, some of you right now, you've got clothes hanging in your closet that are three sizes smaller than you could possibly get into. Because in your mind, you've said this. One of these days... I'm going to fit into that again. And so it's, it's your section of the closet that you really believe that one day you're going to fit in and prove something to someone. I don't know who. Can I just share this with you? Even if you were to get down to that size, you wouldn't like those clothes anyway. Come on, give it away. Give it away. I'll just have a garage sale. No, you won't. You'll get a garage sale going and you'll keep all that stuff. You need to just start giving stuff away. Give away everything. Give away things you don't use. Good God, you've got 200 pairs of shoes. You can't wear but about three in one day anyway. And there's some of them you'll never put on your feet again. Give it away. It works. Let me just share this one story with you. I mean, when I gave my golf clubs away years ago. And uh, we went uh, numbers and numbers of years because it wasn't that season. But then the season came that I was to go play golf again. It was just a year or so ago. And so I was able to pick up this super cheap uh, uh, thing of golf clubs. And so we were out golfing. And one day Wally was looking at my golf clubs and, you know, and, and looking at my, my shot and all the rest. And, and, and I appreciated. it. He took a club out of his bag and he said, here, try this. And so I took it off. And, man, it was at the time it was a great club. And, and I found out later it was kind of an expensive club. It's amazing. You get expensive things that work so much better. And I said, man, that was great. I appreciate it. And then he said, no, you just have it. You just take it. I said, really, what do you want for it? No, he just, he just gave it to me. Now, that story's not done. Well, I should say this. That, uh, then I'll just say this to Wally and Maria. That I believe the giving of that one golf club opened up because you told me later about the whole set of golf clubs you guys received for Stephen. Is that not true? Then that one seed of a golf club gets Stephen a whole set of golf clubs. Is that right? See, I want you to get that too. See, if I can get this in young people, it'll save you the burden of old people. But listen to this. So anyway, so I, I got this club from Wally. Man, I'm like, well, after a while, the club wasn't working right. <laughs> you know, those darn clubs, they just sometimes don't work right. So I gave it to Noah. Noah goes, what do you want for it? I don't want anything for it. We just give the club to Noah. Noah, he loves the club. The club works right for Noah. (laughs) But listen to me. Out of that, listen, listen now. There was a year ago, I didn't have a bag of golf clubs in my garage. I now have, listen, I'm not saying it's right. I've got six bags of golf clubs in my garage. Listen to me. Listen to me. I've got the, one of the best drivers now you can get. Is that not right, Wally? It's a really, really good driver. I got, boy, that club made all the difference in my life. And I got given, no joke, I was given a bag of golf balls. Well, you saw that thing. It's like, I don't have to buy a golf ball for the next decade. Why? Because I gave something away. Movement. Movement, movement, movement. Come on, move those shoes, move those coats. I mean, how many screwdrivers do you need in your house? 
How much Christmas crud have you just shoved here, there, and everywhere that you'll never you? Hey, you say, well, I don't know anybody that needs it. Get it out of there and go give it to goodwill. Get something moving in your life. Give something away. Get it out. Get it out of your hands. Movement. You'll never get a blessing unless you get some movement going. We give clothes away all the time. I can't go into all of it, but we have given clothes away to people. Some of you have received that in the church and, and, and other places we've given clothes. And you know what? Now we're beginning to reap clothes back. That's cool. Whatever you sow. So if I sow a golf club. See? You think I'm joking. I know. But if you don't get it in your system, it won't work for you. Movement. Number four, I got to hurry. Swiftness. I'm just telling you things we've learned in our household. Swiftness. If you're slow, you'll reap slow. Some of you have heard me teach this before. I'll just give you an example. Years ago, well, to this day, I, 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 well, no, I guess I don't. That's not good for today. But years ago, I got paid once a month. And so let's just say for the sake of argument, I made $2,000 a month. Of course, the tithe on that, God's ownership on that $2,000 would be what? $200. And so what I would used to, used to do is this, because it was a four-Sunday month, and I wanted to give something every Sunday, I would take that $200, divide it by four, which is 50, and I would give $50 every week, all through the month. Now you would say, and I did for years, well, I, I was faithful in the tithe. And yes, you were faithful in the tithe. No doubt about it. You got it in as you were supposed to. But the Lord began to speak to us about how I was technically right. However, God showed me I was dragging him out. So he said, you want me to act quickly in your life, Kevin. Why don't you act quickly to me? You want me to move swiftly on your behalf but yet you drag your feet all month long for me. And all of a sudden the Lord started talking about swift obedience. And so right now I've, I've gotten this down and you may laugh and think I'm crazy. But the minute bookkeeping writes off my check and hands it to me back there at my desk. It usually happens on a Monday or something like that. I instantly, I've got a checkbook in my drawer. I pull it out. I write it down instantly and I throw it in my file so it can get to service on Sunday. I want God to know it's coming out quick swiftly because i want god to work swiftly in my life i want things out of my hands quickly i don't if i'm going to drag my feet on god for everything he wants me to do for him boy do you realize we're sowing god dragging his feet in blessing you and what you would want him to do in your life swiftness instant obedience amen isn't this good Man, I tell you, I'm enjoying this so much. Number five. Come on, I'm, I'm helping you for the rest of the month now. Number five, write down the word enlargement. Enlargement. God owns it all, but he wants you to acknowledge him in your increase. So whenever and however our household is increased, I make sure to acknowledge his ownership. Of that increase. What do I mean? Let me give you an example. For instance, on my birthday or on Christmas, I will get gift cards. And so I'll get, let's say, a $20 gift card to go have a meal at this place or a $50 gift card to go have a meal at this place. Well, is it not true 
that I just received $20 or $50 that I didn't have? Is that not true? It's true. I've been enlarged. And so anytime I am enlarged, I'll take that $20 gift card and I'll say to myself instantly, Kevin, you make sure you get the tithe off that. You make sure you get that at Christmas time, at birthday time. Let me tell you something. It's one thing to get $20 gift cards and you say to yourself, well, what's two bucks? Two bucks isn't that big a deal. But you keep doing this and God will start getting you $100 gift cards and $200 gift cards. Because if he can trust you with the two bucks off 20, he'll begin to trust you with the 20 bucks off the 200. I mean, we'll figure this up. I've been sent away on vacations and we will do this. We will think, what did that cost? And anytime we are enlarged, we look at that and we are faithful and detailed in order to give God what is rightfully his. Amen. Because I want God to pay attention to what's going on in my life. I heard of a guy one time that he used to get food poundings all the time and he would figure out, you know what a food pounding is? Anybody, you know, well, food pounding is when like a congregation gets together or something and they just gather up food, just, just packages of food and they come and they, they bring it to you just so you can fill your cabinets up and have food in the house. That was years ago called a food pounding. And, and, and I'll never forget this one guy sharing with me that he would go through this whole food thing and he would add it up and he would figure it out and he would cut out, he would be sure he would cut out at least 10% of it and either give it away or he would add it up and make sure it got under the Lord. He said, if I got 10 cans of green beans, God was going to get one of those green beans. That's just, that's the way it was going to work. You receive the blessings of God, listen to me, but you can't, you can't, or have difficulty acknowledging him as the giver of the enlargement. Come on, folks, this is the day. Let me tell you, I'm going right now. I've upped my tips to waitresses in this era. Because the Bible says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. And God, who is a debtor to no man, will repay. And I look at those little waitresses, and a lot of them are single moms, and they're just trying to make ends meet. And I just say to myself, they're not going to work their tail off at my table and not receive a blessing when I walk away. And so I've upped all my tipping to at least 20%. Now listen, I had one the other day that wasn't really that great. And so I, I went down to 18% to make a statement. Come on, it's not time to seize up. It's time to, to let it go. Number six, write this down. Willingness. Willingness. There was a widow in the Bible who was down to her last cup of flour. She had a little oil. She was on the brink of death with her son. But the prophet comes in. Imagine this. The preacher comes in, sums it all up. See, she's about ready to die. All she has is a little oil and a little flour. And this is what he looks at her and does. He says, make me breakfast. Do you, do you know what the press would do with that today? Do you know what they do with preachers that get their widow's last little bit? Oh, bad, bad preacher. But it's in the Bible. There was something that transacted at that particular moment that when she gave the little bit she had away, God blessed her household with oil that would not stop and flour that would not stop. She had a willingness to give. She had a willingness to walk in faith. I've listened to people for years, badmouth Jim Baker and Jimmy Swagger and all these guys, and they deserve probably what they got because they were not faithful unto the Lord and their character did not sustain them. And every, but everybody will go to think about all those poor people that gave all that money to those big bag televangelists. Listen, all those people that gave money better have been given it as unto the Lord. 
They better have been given it that way. Because if they were giving it just to them, yep, you're right, they're probably in trouble. But if it was as unto the Lord, don't you worry about them one bit. God will move for them. They were willing. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the, Paul said of the Macedonians, he said, even though you're poor, he said that you gave over and above, and not grudgingly, but willingly. And the Bible says that God enriched them in all things. You know what all means? Yeah. All things. The Holy Spirit has convicted me to say this. That following the Lord is not hard. And it is not sorrowful. Following the Lord is knowing that his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. And his joy is unspeakable and full of glory. And when he releases that, it's a joy that no man can take away. This world isn't going to take away my joy in keeping things moving out of my life. There was a willingness. Then finally, number seven, I'll give you this soil. It's the last word, soil. In the scripture, oftentimes, what you give, and again, you can sow more than your finance, and walking in faith is more than just your finance, but there are over 2,400 verses that Jesus alone used to mention finances. And, and, and truth of the matter is, for all of us here, can we just get honest before God and say that's a big part of our life? It's a big part of our life. But when you read the scripture and you begin to look at all the references to give, to give means to sow, just like you would sow seed into the ground. Giving is sowing, and sometimes we sow our money, sometimes we sow our kindness, sometimes we sow our time. We can sow lots of things. Most of the time, I have found that we focus a lot on the seed, the giving part. But the Lord has spoken to me about the soil. Because you see, you can have good seed, but if you want your good seed to produce at maximum levels, you've got to be sure that it's planted in good soil. Good soil has a lot to do with how your seed will come forth. So soil is the receiver of that seed. So anytime you give or anytime you release, you release it into something that we would call soil. Now, the Bible tells us that the tithe goes to the storehouse. And the storehouse is what we've come to understand as the local church. That's what keeps the storehouse operating. That's that soil that receives that part of your recognition of God's ownership. Now, that doesn't mean that's where all your giving ends. In fact, I believe that giving goes far beyond that 10%. And you still have to be able to find soil with which you can begin to sow your seed into. Anything that's over your tithe becomes your seed for multiplication. The key is not only giving it, but putting it into good soil. So listen to me, I'm going to just put all this together. Here's God's ownership. 10% is a recognition of God's ownership, which opens up the windows of heaven. It rebukes the devourer. It takes the curse off your land or off your destiny. Now that you're in a position of acknowledging his ownership, now when you begin to sow seed, you're positioned to receive 30, 60, 100 fold. That's when multiplication begins to take place. Now, hopefully some of the seed goes to your local church because your local church is good ground and it's doing good things. We're building a building. We're doing some other things with regards to the kingdom. Hopefully in your consideration, the local church would be a part of that. Undoubtedly, some of it will go to other ministries. Tracy and I have sowed into ministries. Yes, we've sowed to TV, 
personalities. We've sowed into Christian television. We've sowed a lot of money that way as well because we believe that sowing and scattering your seed in many different soils can be a good thing. I give most of my money to Legacy, but I give a portion of it to other ministries as I am prompted. But the key to it all is, is that you and I have to find good soil. You just don't, just don't be moved by your emotions. Ask yourself, is this soil that I can sow into, that I have some level of confidence that God will multiply back to me, resource, listen, not just so I can build bigger barns and say soul takes I knees and fill up my garage with every toy and mechanical device known to man. But God's resourcing me, yes, so I can enjoy life and I can be blessed and I can do all the things that I really like to do. But he's giving you that money as more seed to sow into the ground. And the problem with us is, is that some of us have seed that's sitting in the corner and it's not doing us any good. You got to get the movement happening and you've got good seed, but just make sure it's not going into dead soil. Now, these are just some of the things that we've begun to learn in our house. I'm sure there are other things that I could put on the list, but I'm trying to just give you a starting place for faith to begin to function. I'm sure there are other things that we have done that have contributed to God's goodness in our life. But I know these seven things, these seven things have been real important in our household. Now I want you to know this. I've been doing this now for years years and this is what i have found out that things tend to have a momentum to them now the reason i share that with you is because i don't want you to be disappointed that you get a revelation about the tithe and you try it next week and then you waited seven days and ain't nothing going on in your life you got to understand spiritually things work by momentum And, and, and again i believe that god's momentum changes things quickly i do believe that But you got to understand that when you put things into motion, if you put poverty into motion, if you put hoarding into motion, if you've got mentalities into motion, you got to stop. And then you've got to begin to put, are you with me? Because things work by momentum. And, and, And praise God and I'm grateful and I give God the glory. Because I'm telling you, when we put some things in motion, it took 14 months. Not counting the years prior to that, that God was able to break that particular season in our life of of unbelievable abasement and poverty. But you keep doing that, being faithful unto the Lord, and just like we laughed about, your hose will last longer, your tires will last longer, your car won't go into the shop as much. Things will begin to just happen. You'll, You'll be blessed in unusual ways. And suddenly there's this momentum that begins to take place in your life. And your righteousness and righteous acts begin to be like a snowball that even if you have a little ignorant glitch here or there, it can't stop the blessing. That's why God said in Deuteronomy 28 that the blessing will not only come upon you, but it will overtake you. Most of us live in the dribble. God dribbles this little bitty thing on us. And we'll write a praise report. Now, we'll rejoice with you and we're glad for it. I'm not, try- I'm not minimizing that. But folks, we've got to get the mentality that says this is just the first drip of the gully washer. But we've got to keep that momentum going. 
And the question today is not do it today and it'll be fixed next week. It is not do it today and three months from now, if it doesn't work out, we'll give you your refund. No, I'm not going to give you a refund. You give it, it's God's. Amen. I'm redeeming it. You didn't need it anyway. But you have to start today to say, I'm going to turn the momentum of my life. There are times, is it not true, it seems like everything we touch crashes. Everything we do seems to fall apart. Is that not true? All of us have had those moments. Come on. This is the first day of favor in your life where you say from this point forward, there's going to come a moment that God is going to release. I can't even catch up with it. I can't. You understand? I got six, six bags of golf clubs. You can only play with one at a time. See, golf has just overtaken me. It's just overtaken me. (laughs) The Lord is willing, but he's not changing the rules. Not for you or for me. I believe this is what the Holy Spirit said. He said, I'm going to build legacy and grow this ministry through a people, just ordinary, everyday people. I mean, I mean, if, 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 if somebody with means comes in and strokes the big check, hey, I'll redeem it. I have no problem with that. No problem. But I believe God's going to build this church on the backs of everyday ordinary people who are walking by faith. He's going to build it by faith. He's just going to demonstrate that if you walk by faith, he will do great things. So the Holy Spirit said to me this morning, pray for the people. You know, here's the good thing about the Lord. The Lord says that I will, I will grant mercy to whom I will grant mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. And you know, God still blesses and helps us even though we've done about everything wrong. He still will come through. But the key is, listen, I don't want him to have to every now and then based on his sovereign mercy break through in my life. I want to put things in motion where he walks with me. And I walk with him. And he just keeps releasing and releasing and releasing. And he says, boy, I can let that go to Kevin because if I let it go to him, I know he'll keep letting it go out of his hands. And the Holy Spirit said, pray for the people. Pray for the people. Listen to me. I, I don't care. I, I'm, not, I'm not having an altar call saying, if you haven't done this, come on down. I'm not stupid. But I, but I tell you what I am going to do. Because some of you, some of you I'm quite sure do do this. And others of you are probably halfway and others of you are really being challenged at the moment. And, and, and that's the Lord loving you and wanting you, wanting the best for your life. So this is what I'm going to do. I want everyone to stand with me right now. And, and I want to pray for people. I don't care where you're at. Don't, if, if you say to yourself right now, I feel guilty and convicted. Come on, right now, I, I, just be free from that for just a moment. And don't let guilt shut you down. The Lord's mercy and compassion is absolutely free. His grace is free. It is free. Now, it's not just to excuse you, but it's to empower you in order to be obedient. So don't let that shut you down right now. God wants to be merciful. And I believe he wants to be merciful on all of us. But, but he wants you to begin to make the decisions you need to make in order to walk with him the way you would want to walk. Now, here's the thing. This is the most liberating thing, baby, is that we do what we do. And you got to do what you got to do. 
I can only tell you what's worked for me. And it works. And it'll work for you too, if you'll keep after it. So I'm going to pray right. I'm going to pray for people's financial situation and ask that the God who says I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. I'm going to pray that God has mercy and compassion. And because you know what? 2009 has got to be a big year for legacy. And if it's going to be a big year for the church, that means it's got to be a big year for you. So let me tell you, I have a vested interest too. I want you to be blessed. I want you. I want you to get over the top blessing from the Lord. I want that in your life. Amen. You wouldn't mind if I prayed for that in your life, would you? Something that God would do over the top stuff, just just remarkably bless you. We're, we're, we're on the brink. Do you know, folks, we are on the brink of pressing into a whole nother dimension. I can feel it in my bones. I hope you're feeling it. So this is what we're going to do right now. You, you, I want you, you got to step out of your seat. Faith demands you step out of your seat. But if you want your financial situation prayed for, I'm, I'm going to pray for people right now. But I want you to get out and say, Lord, this is your coming, saying, Lord, I'm coming to you because I, I, I'm ready to receive mercy. And I want you to do some great things financially in my life as we begin this month. It's faith February. Don't be afraid. I'm not taking another offering this morning. OK, don't be afraid. I'm not doing that because, you see, I don't need an emotional moment from you. God's asking for your obedience and revelation. Because there's going to come a moment, just like in our life, things get challenged. And you got to know you heard from God. Not just that pastor stirred you up. you got to know you heard from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to bless the Lord. Will you just, would you thank Him for all the good things? Come on, we live in the greatest nation still. You all live better than probably 95% of the world. And so you have a lot to be thankful for right now. So why don't you just begin to just thank the Lord right now. Thank Him for His blessings. Thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him how He's seen you through. Come on now, He has. He's paid some bills for you. Come on, He's given you some unusual blessings. Come on, some, some things that you've never considered before. That was the Lord. Just thank Him for it. Come on, let's knock, let's knock our ingratitude out first. Let's knock that out. Lord, forgive us for being ungrateful. Forgive us, Lord, for being slack in our, our, our gratefulness or our thanksgiving. For, Lord, we see your hand around us in so many, many ways. You blessed us. And, Lord, we, we acknowledge right now it's going to be tough days ahead. Lord, that's not a bad confession. It's just the way it is. But, Lord, we believe that you can do something in our lives and in the people of God. Hallelujah. Come on, right now, right where you're standing right now, declare... Declare his ownership in your life. Come on now. I know you said it before, but now you kind of know what all that means. Lord, you own my life. Every breath I take is yours. The Bible says in him we live and move and have our being. In him. So Lord, you own everything. You own my car. You own my house. You own my six sets of golf clubs. You own my tools. You own everything in the home. The curtains, the, the, the furniture. You own it all. The clothes in the closet, the shoes. All the athletic stuff. All the junk in the attic. You own it all. You own it all. You own my children. You own my family. You own my spouse. You own me. You own it all. And your word says that everything, everything is designed to give you glory. So Lord, right now I ask, 
Lord, that you would put upon us, not, Lord, not a burden, but just an awareness, Lord, that, that we want to recognize your ownership in our life. Hallelujah. What a small price to pay to just simply say you own it all. And Lord, it is true. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Lord, I've, I've known how to abound and I know how to be abased. I've lived in just a few hundred square feet with bugs on the walls. And Lord, you put me in wonderful houses that have been such a blessing. And, I, and I've, en- I've enjoyed the, the nice houses. I'll just confess, but Lord, you own it all. My life is to be expended in kingdom purpose. Lord, cause us to be sensitive to these things. Hallelujah. Now, would you ask the Lord, just, just give you the tenacity to recognize his ownership. For some of you, you're doing that. And, and, and you're, just, you're just saying, Lord, you know me. You know I'm doing it. For some of you, you may need to say, Lord, I, I really probably need to get started here. Maybe for some of you, you never considered your $20 gift card. I didn't for a long, long time. Again, it's not legalism. I don't believe it's legalism. I just, I just believe it's as unto the Lord. I just look. See, I'm looking for God to enlarge me. I'm looking for ways that God's enlarging my life. See, he's called you to be the head and not the tail, to be above and not beneath. He's called you to be blessed in your barns and in your baskets. It said that the enemy come, may come against you one way, but he's caused it in our obedience for him to scatter in seven ways. He said that you would, he, you would lend and not borrow. Come on now, that's what he wants. So Lord, we just, we just acknowledge, Lord, your ownership and our obedience in that. Come on, pray right now. Pray about your swiftness. Pray about movement right now. Come on, some of you right now, God's telling you to get some things moving in your house. He, now, I'm just telling you, it's not about garage sale. You can have one. It, I'm not telling you not to have one. But I'm just saying it's just time to get some things moving. Come on, get it moving. You're going to open up the dike of God's blessing if you just get some things moving. Come on. Come on right now. He's opening that up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't want to meddle. I could meddle, I guess, right? Come on, clothes. You're not going to fit in those clothes. Get rid of them. Come on, give it. Sew it. Sew it. Makes me silly. I know some men, they have, they have tools out the wazoo. Now, come on now. You may be able to use two scri- screwdrivers with each hand, but that you can't, I know you can't use your toes with that tool. Come on. Somebody probably needs that. Give it away. Just give it. Just give it away. Sew it. You never know. God may give you a whole new thing. You never know. Sew it. Just keep. I'm just telling you, for some, some, it's going to look crazy. Said the early church, listen to me, in the early church, the book of Acts, you know this to be true. It said that they held all things in common. I don't believe that they were fostering communism. But what I do believe is, is that they just didn't hold on to anything they just let it go yours there you go take it yours you need it there you go take it take it i have i get books all the time my reading list on my shelf is just books 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 but you know what through the years i have given more books away than i can count i've sowed books whatever a man sows that shall he also read some of you may not be making any money right now but you can still get movement going come on yes you can you can get some movement going Trust in God. I'm, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray that God will begin to bless financially. But I want you to make sure you've done your business here. You've done your business. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Do you have a revelation that God is not trying to take things away from you? But he's trying to get you to sow things. There is no lack in him. No lack. Don't, don't, don't be afraid of God. Be afraid. Be afraid of the world system. Be, be afraid of, of the economic ways of the world. They don't get it. They don't get it. And, and this is what the neat thing is. The Lord says that when we enter into this, he says we're actually sowing treasure in heaven where rust and moth does not corrupt. Do you understand that there may be blessings temporally here as we function under kingdom precept? But I'm telling you right now, right now, because of what we've done in the Baird household right now, based on God's word, there are riches in heaven. And let me tell you, it's been worth every sacrifice. It's been worth, it's been worth it all. I want that for you. I really want that for you. Again, I, I, I can't make you do anything. We won't make anybody do anything. But, but boy, if I can lead you into the, the next dimension. Wow, what could God do? Are you ready for me to pray right now? Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, these are your people. Some of them are facing really dire important critical circumstances right now financially in their life and lord i want you and i ask you right now to take note of their life i want you to take note of their circumstances lord our arms are in the air in order to open up our lives and say you own it all in order for us to say we surrender to you lord we're just declaring right now we are your people and lord there are some really important critical stressful financial situations that are going on right now in people's lives and lord i believe you do care about your people and, and your heart is to bless and to help and to reward and and lord you're calling us to obey in ways we've never considered before but lord i just simply ask as a as a shepherd amongst his people lord that you would have mercy upon whom you would have mercy and that you would let compassion loose upon those lord who seek it right now. And Lord, I pray, I pray that hearts as, as they're crying out to you right now, Lord, that you would hear those cries and that, Lord, you would move on their behalf and that they could see and that they could experience, Lord, the provision and the goodness of God in their lives. Lord, right now, I'm just believing for open doors in Jesus' name. I'm believing for deals to be sealed in Jesus' name. I'm looking for careers to be, to be changed in Jesus' name. Transactions to take place in Jesus' name. I'm believing right now for buyers to come, for sellers to come in Jesus' name. I'm believing right now for things to begin to move. Lord, let movement begin to take place in your people right now. Let the economy and the wheels of the kingdom begin to move in our midst right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we break out of MSNBC and Fox News and CNN and all the other news reports. We break free from the Secretary of the Treasury. And Lord, all the financiers and Wall Street and all the CEOs, we break out of that mentality in Jesus name Lord and we declare right now Lord our portfolio is in kingdom street in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name come on receive it by faith right now that's where you got to start receiving things by faith now you're going to have to obey because faith without works is what yeah man you got to you got to put action to it 
We'll talk more about that. But we're setting the foundations, all we're doing. Lord, you know what we face, not only as individuals, you know what we face as a church. And Lord, I've learned, I have learned personally, the last thing I want to do is kick a door down. And I won't do it, Lord. I like an open door. It feels better when there's an open door. But Lord, I receive a closed door as your hand as well. And Lord, I know there's a timing to everything. But Lord, I ask you now to bless your people. And Lord, maybe, it's, maybe it is self-interested at this point. I believe it's God-interested, Lord. But your house, this is your house. It's not my church. It's your church. It's not our church. It's your church. It's your house. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. This is God's house. And Lord, you, it says, will build your house. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord, I know this much. You have chosen to work in people in order to build your house. So I prayed unashamedly right